Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. Just a quick explanation for listeners. Sometimes the tangled web of thoughts or random dead spots in our conversation or the tangents and sidebars or unsolved puzzles and frankly, all the utter confusion on this show has nothing to do with our lack of intelligence or eloquence, but is really just Mark and I getting super excited to share something and just not knowing where to start. The beginning of money is one such topic. When thinking about how to steward your finances or investments wisely, the underlying monetary system needs to be well understood, and there's really no better way to understand it than to listen to this show. Uh, Sorry, I meant to say there is no better way than to explore the history and properties of money. This episode kicks off a new series exploring that in more detail. What is money? Where does it come from? How does it work? Why does it work? What happens when it is broken? Those sorts of questions. And admittedly, a lot of tangential but related conversations. So if you found yourself thinking about what you can do today to prepare yourself and your family and your community for that matter for the future, then understanding the characteristics of the money that we all use is a great place to start. As always, if you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, head on over to twostewards.ca, T-W-O, stewards.ca, click the feedback button at the top, and drop us a line. And now, on to the episode. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. My name is Mark, and I'm here with... Brent. I'm here with Brent. And today, we're going to talk about money. And uh, Brent's already laughing. That's good. It's a good start. <laughs> um, well, because we just talked for about half an hour trying to define what money was. We just have to come up with a simple definition for our <laughs> listeners, Mark. Just a super simple definition, like one sentence. Yeah. And it took about a half an hour. We still haven't, we still haven't gotten there. So, so this Actually, we want to talk about money for show. more than one episode. We're going to do a series about money. And... Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. If you're listening, you might think, like, how can you... Possibly. What is there to talk about? Yeah. But there's a lot to talk about, okay? <laughs> and we're going to do it. So, <laughs> Brent, what is money? Oh, man. So, the, the definition that we kind of came up with was a store of hard work. That's the, the part you came up with. Yep. Or value. So yep. that you can transact. Yes. Okay. So that doesn't capture absolutely everything, but I think it's a good starting point, right? Well, we should we should really flesh that out. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's the that's the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So okay, we want to talk about a few things, right? So in order, we want to talk about money, and we have a few theories about money. So the first thing we need to do is define, you know, what money is. So we'll get into that, um, and what's the problem. And uh, so our thesis is that there is a problem with money, that the money system we have is broken and uh, that there is a solution as well. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, it's going to take a while to get there. So we're going to talk uh, in this episode, I think, primarily about um, what, like, what is money? What are the characteristics of money? And if you've never thought about this before... Um, we just kind of take money good, for granted, good for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good for you. <laughs> when you start thinking about it, you start to have to read all kinds of books, and yeah, it's a big rabbit hole. It's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. Um, but yeah, most I don't know what was your a lot of work conception but how of do money. You store all that work, Mark, <laughs> and money. with money. <laughs> yeah, good. Sorry, what was um, your conception? I don't know of money? what was your conception of money before you really, really started. 
Yeah. I guess before I started reading all this material and trying to study what it actually is, um, I just thought of like currency, right? Yeah. So, um, like growing up, you have, I, I don't know, I think from a pretty early age, I had a bank account with CIBC. And then you get one of these little, um, you know, books that they stamp in every time. Like yeah. This used to be, I don't know, used to be in my day, you know, <laughs> they used to have the little stamp and then they put like, you know, every time you do a transaction that whatever, they give you like an updated balance on your little bank book thing. Right. Yeah. I remember that. It was a big oh. step up from rocks, which is okay, what, that's what you used to have. Yeah. <laughs> you bring your rock into the bank and they would chisel something in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. <clears throat> They, but so yeah, it was a huge motivation, right? Like as a kid, you're like, okay, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to collect beer bottles. I'm going to bring them to the beer store right beside the bank. And then I'm going to walk over to the bank and like bring them my 20 cents and then, or probably is like a dollar, right? Yep. And then update your bank book. And it's like, Ooh, I got another dollar. Right. So like my whole framework kind of, that's where it comes from, right? It's just, you go to the bank, you put your like dollars, Canadian dollars in the bank account, and then you get a stamp or like you get a, um, like some, it's, it's digital too, I guess. But like at that time it was just like in your bank book, right? You get an accounting of what you, yeah, uh, what how you much have. you have. And then, and then there's also the interest, right? So you get like 0.0001% interest. <laughs> and then every time it goes up, right. And you're just super motivated. <clears throat> so, uh, that's probably where I came from. Like what, understanding what is money. Um, and then, like zooming a bit for, further forward when things became digital and you could have like, you know, a bank account on your phone. Now all of a sudden it's, you know, a digital accounting of what you have and you can start having different sub accounts or different accounts. Maybe you open a different account with a, like an investment account or an RSP account, right? So you kind of go through your life thinking, oh, you know, and then you get a job, like a full-time job and you start earning money and um, yeah, you just kind of take it for granted, right? This is money. It's just whatever I get paid of the paycheck um, that goes into my bank account and that is somehow money. Like, yeah, you have cash, you have coins, but you know, it's kind of some combination of this is money. The coins in my wallet or my cup holder and the, you know, cash or sorry, the digital version of the currency in the bank account so yeah. i don't know if you're the and same way you're, uh, you, you well, guys now have you're rocks? back to collecting beer bottles uh, <laughs> <laughs> to supplement your income right <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it come full circle <laughs> i know <laughs> well we yeah. have lots of those people come around our neighborhood every garbage day right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they look through and they try and take all the beer and do they do water. well at your house not at our house, our neighbors, okay. man. Oh, actually, no, we had a tenant who was an alcoholic and, uh, unfortunately, but yeah, he, uh, he was a good source of revenue for them. Um, every week is a full bag. Anyway, nice. Yeah. So nice. anyways, he's gone now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I have similar uh, recollections around, uh, around money and just the idea that, yeah, you would work and you would get money and you could either have some cash or you put it in the bank and um didn't really ever go beyond that and you know yeah. my my kids have started asking about like how is money made and their conception is that like the money is actually like a 20 dollar bill gets printed and that's how money is introduced yeah. into the economy and i mean we've talked about this quite a lot right yeah to know that there's a more abstract uh version of money and that 20 dollar bill is just a representation of actually what's what's where the real value actually is 
but um, we know that it's it's much much bigger concept than that, right? <laughs> so I guess to yeah to take a step back, like what is money? So we're trying to define it, and it's hard to do. Well, because before Canadian dollars, like how old is Canada, right? Hundred fifty something or whatever, sixty something years. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, like before that, what was money? <laughs> like, was it just the other, like, you know, uh, American dollars, I guess is a thing, but how old is America? Right? No, like, you had, um, like the Hudson's Bay company. Um, and, uh, well, even like some of the, all the banks that we have, have their roots yeah. back in history somewhere. Right. So they were independent banks. So they were just an entity where you could store your gold. Generally it would be gold. And um, which was the form of money widely used back then. And then they would give you a bill, like a note. Um, and it could be, you know, if like, and it would be denominated in dollars. Um, so it could be $5 or, or whatever it yeah. was, right? And that was based, that was just like a, a receipt, basically. Yeah. Right? That's where we get so the So maybe term it's bills. really good to just like zoom way back in history and start at the very beginning of. Okay, first, let's try to define money before we do <laughs> we <did>. that. So. <laughs> Store of value so that you can make transactions, right? right? So basically what that tells me is that money probably doesn't have a lot of value in itself. And we'll talk about the sort of the transition from, you know, commodity-based money to electronic money. But essentially it's just how, you know, you work and then you get paid. And that is, that represents the fruit of your labor, like your earnings, right? And if you have high, higher value work, you get more money. So it's more value stored essentially. And then with that, you can go make transactions. You can buy the things that you need or invest in something, but uh, essentially, yeah, go buy the stuff that you need to live Yeah, now, without directly working for, you're not working for your landlord or, you know, if you own the house, you're not working for the bank. I mean, we're all working for the bank, but um, you're not doing work directly for them in exchange for your shelter. You're working for something else. You get that something else, which is Canadian dollars, and then you give it to the bank, right? Right. And then you're also, so that way you don't have to work for your, for the grocery store, right? Pushing carts or <laughs> whatever, yeah. right? You don't have to work for the gas station, all the different, you know, the electric company, all the things that you use. So in what your you're life. saying is you're not directly trading services or products Correct. or whatever for um, the things that you need, right? So yeah. you go to fill up your car with gas. You're not literally like, you know, doing something for the gas station to help serve them. Yeah. You're just paying them money. So the money that you're paying them is actually just uh, an item or a technology or a good that um, represents like a store of value from other work that you've done in the past. And then you can hand them X number of those tokens or certificates yeah. or bills or coins or whatever. And they'll be willing to accept them because they trust their validity and um, whatever. And then they will give you the products and services that you need. Yeah. And yeah. And it's so when in a specialized economy, it's so much more efficient than barter. So yeah. maybe now we can go uh, back to uh, I see what you did there. Uh, Look at that. Yeah, <laughs> crafty for an old guy. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, if we go back to you know sort of the earliest uh, civilizations, I guess um, we have a conception. I think that this is your grandparents. Or you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, zingers! You got zingers. 
Um, I mean, people lived much longer in those days, right? Brent, so yeah, okay. yeah, keep that in mind. True. <laughs> Opa Methuselah, um, <laughs> as we called him. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we have a conception that um, essentially everything was barter. Right. Right in the uh, in the early days, and I think a lot of it probably well, was. Well, just quickly, what is barter? Right, that is somebody uh, exchanging uh, goods for goods. Like I, it, I guess technically you call it direct exchange, right? So yeah. if, if you want to exchange value, and this is a problem that's uh, occurred, and part of the reason why we want to look at the history of money is, it's a it's there's always been this problem with human beings that we can't store value into the future. And it's hard to transact value between people. Yeah. And so if you think about like a rudimentary or like a very basic society where there's only like a handful of people, maybe, um, you know, or some isolated village or something like that, you could have an economy inside that, right? Like now we talk about the economy. It's like the whole world, right? Is one yeah. economy, but you can like zoom in on one uh, little village and say, okay, they have their own economy. So, you know, this guy, he's really good at farming. So he produces the grain. Uh, this guy maybe has herds of animals and he's, uh, you know, providing the meat and milk and whatever else. Right. And everybody kind of has like, there's a lot of overlap in their jobs. Like you talk about the specialization of labor, but, um, ultimately, uh, they can function by, you know, Hey, I'm going to give you some of my grain, but in exchange, I want some apples and some meat. Um, and then that's how you build out a society. So what they're actually doing in that society is direct exchange. They're exchanging, you know, the goods that they produce for the goods that, um, you have. And that's pretty, that works pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, because that way you get a balanced diet and you get your blacksmith goods and your other goods or whatever, and everybody can thrive. But the challenge is when, uh, you start to try and scale that to, a larger scale and multiple villages or multiple areas or introduce people that you might not trust. Right. Cause if you have a high degree of trust that the guy's going to pay you back in the future or, um, Oh, there's so many things we can get into. This is exciting. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, the one thing that we should talk about is the coincidence of wants. Well, that's uh, a big word and a little word put together in a way that I don't understand. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tendency to do that. Um, <laughs> so when you think about exchanging value, uh, through direct exchange barter, right? Yep. Um, one thing that's very important is that we both have what the other guy wants, right? So if you don't have the thing that I want, then I'm not likely to do trade with you. So right? if I grow green, yeah. and you grow green. Yeah. Then well, what's the, what's the point of us exchanging, even though we both need, let's say steak, Yep. Uh, everybody needs steak. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just to offend any vegan listeners. Yeah. Out we're there. not, we're not going to argue that point. Um, we're both in agreement. That's great. There's nothing to argue. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't grow beef, right. That raise cattle or whatever that I, I'm not going to be able to trade with you. Right. We're both going to have to take our grain to someone else and find that person. Right. Or I mean, worst case, our grain is worthless. Yeah. Other than the amount that we can use to, to, to bake bread or whatever. Yeah, that's another factor. Yeah. Outside of the coincidence of wants. Um, is Well, if you don't have that coincidence of wants, yeah. then your labor can be quickly invalidated, right? Yeah. You're like, I produce 
thousands and thousands of bushels of grain. But, you know, after the first 300, the last, you know, <laughs> 900 yeah. and whatever are not very useful um, to be, uh, to be like stored in a barn. They're going to deteriorate yeah. and rot or get eaten by rats or then whatever, right? Yeah. So, and it's just, I mean, this is a side tangent, but it's interesting to see how um, specialization like really changes how you do things because in that early example, yeah. right. Where we're talking about, you know, you and me are both growing grain. That wouldn't happen. Yeah. Right. I would grow a little bit of grain. You would probably grow some, you would have some chickens, maybe some cows yeah. or pigs or whatever. You would have a little bit of everything. Yeah. And you so might you not could be pretty very much good. be self-sufficient. Yeah. And you would have to learn to be kind of decent at a lot of things, but you couldn't really specialize in one thing because really you're good. too busy to, yeah. Like just subsisting? Yeah, subsisting, existing. Yeah, just existing. You wake up in the morning, you go milk the cow. Then you go and get the eggs. Then you go have breakfast really quick. And then you run out and plow your field. And then you come back, (laughs) whatever. Like you got all these things to do. And then you're maybe in the winter, you're hunting or trapping or something like that. So in that case, trade doesn't really, I mean, you could still, because maybe I'm a bit of a better hunter than you are or a trapper. Yeah. And I got more furs or I had a better season so I can trade you for like you had a good year for apples. Yeah. We could do some trade there, but really there's not much point in, uh, we're both kind of subsisting. Yeah. But yeah. if, you know, if you make that, if you are able to store up some capital and be like, okay, you know, what? I'm just going to, I'm really good at um, growing grain. Yeah. I'm going to plant more grain this year yeah. and I'm going to do more while you're yeah, assuming. Or like, the, like the example might be of a blacksmith or something like that, right? Like how is it that that guy can spend all of his time, you know, in his, uh, Smithy, Smithy heating up metal and banging it with a hammer. <laughs> That's a really technical definition of what a blacksmith does. Yeah. My theory actually <laughs> well, is where that, does he get his food from? Right. Well, is it, <clears throat> Yeah, well, exactly. It's specialization. But my theory is that the first blacksmith was probably just trying to get away from his wife. <laughs> it's like, you know, when guys have hobbies and, yeah. you know, either the wife kicks him out of the house, like, get, go find something to do. Or he's just like, you know, sick yeah, of arguing. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm going to go in my shed. And that's how uh, blacksmithing was discovered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's a very, very side theory. Maybe we'll have a future episode on that. Oh, great. The development of uh, <laughs> trades as a result of. Uh, fractious yeah, marriages. So if people are trying to <laughs> store their value and then tra- transact it with people, right? So exchange their value for other things. Um, then all of a sudden, uh, this barter, like barter exists, but, um, something else emerges and that is a different medium that people can own, right? For the sole purpose, per- like basically the sole purpose of trading it with other people. Right. So like yeah. you introduce instead of direct exchange, you now have a medium of exchange. Yeah. Right. So it's indirect exchange. Um, so we're both doing our stuff, creating like goods or whatever services, and we're exchanging those for a medium of exchange. And then we use that to transact with each other. So it's indirect. Like we're not trading one for one, you know, me, you and me, we're trading for this other intermediary good kind of thing. And yeah. then we're using that. And so that makes all of a sudden our society a lot more scalable and um, a lot more efficient 
and we can actually settle transactions. So you can, you can imagine, right? Like if you have a cow and you want to trade for grain, like a cow is worth a lot more than just like a bushel of grain, right? Yeah. So how am I going to sell you the cow if you just have grain or if you have whatever, right? Like it's hard to settle that transaction. You see, you could have this like mental uh, ledger, so to speak of like, okay, I gave you my cow and you gave me this grain now, but I want your next year's grain and the next year's grain or whatever. Right. So you yeah. kind of add up to the total value of that cow. Or but that, that be basically means like you're not settling the transaction then and there. Well, or if let's say you did, and I gave you a hundred bushels a week, I don't know what the going rate is for a yeah. cow, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's gotta be at least a hundred. <laughs> No, but then now, you know, you can use a bushel and then what do you do with the rest? Now you got to get rid of that. Some, you got to trade for that. And that kind of puts you in competition with me because I'm also trading all of my grain, right? So it's just not efficient. And yeah, you're right. You need to find some medium of exchange, which naturally happens. People just will figure this out. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, in the example of the blacksmith, maybe now it's, it's, it's metal. Yeah. It could be iron or it could be nails, right? Um, nails was uh, a popular nails in different forms of iron. Like the, um, just uh, listening to some stuff about James <laughs> Cook. Yeah, I know. I'm going off a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, like <coughs> Captain what? Cook, nails. right? But he would, um, they would have like lots of iron and nails would be a popular item for trade right. with, uh, with, you know, where they would hit different populations, like in the, um, uh, in the islands and stuff in the South, uh, the South seas. That's what I'm trying to think of. Right. And they had to be careful not to give away too much technology right. to these people. But that was like a viable thing because everybody could use those. So if you have a whole bunch of nails, now you can be like, okay, this is worth three nails, you know, and this is worth 10 nails. So now you can easily right. scale it yeah, and you don't have to trade your cow for a hundred bushels of wheat that you might not right. use and that might rot and whatever. So that specialization uh, really helps in the formation of, uh, of money and it's, but it's also, it's needed as well. So it kind of feeds itself, right? Yeah. Um, so, so so what the trend, uh, sorry, the, um, the specialization of labor, um, do you want to talk more, a little bit more about that? Um, and how that I'll talk about it all okay, day. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to hear about? <laughs> well, um, um, maybe that's kind of a result of, uh, what, what, um, what happens when you start introducing money, right? Yeah. Because now it's easier yeah. for me to specialize in just focus on one thing yeah. because I know that I'm not going to have to deal with a thousand bushels a wheat because that's all anybody can give me. Right. Right. I know that, um, I can trade with you for something and I can also probably trade with the next village over yeah. who may have different values and a different society or whatever. But as long as we agree on the same thing, whether that's like nails or chunks of iron or, uh, jewels or like whatever it is, um, and so many different things have been used over the years, but as long as we have that in common, then I know I can trade with anybody in this village or that village. Yeah. And then that opens up possibilities like, Hey, maybe I can trade with a farther away village Yeah. and then I can get things from them that don't exist. So well, you think I, of like the spice trade, right? Yeah. But it's also like, uh, and this maybe ties to the spice trade, but, um, with the specialization of labor, you can think of 
like the purpose of your labor is to produce value for other people, right? Like you're like, so like maybe if you zoom back to like, I'm just living subsistence living, you're producing value for yourself and your family. Yeah. And then to any extent you can produce other value in excess of what you need, then you can start to like contribute that to others in exchange for some things that maybe you can't do or whatever. But if you scale that up to like, maybe the spice trade is a good example. Like those spices are valuable because you couldn't get them locally. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's the same thing with, you know, a blacksmith, maybe that guy's got the equipment for it. Right. So there's a heavy cost there. He's got the skills, like he's in, he's been an apprentice or he's been studying this forever. And like, he's got the, uh, you know, good, he's good with his hands. Right. He's not, um, and then he's, uh, he's got the connections to the suppliers and he knows how to do it as quickly as possible. And, you know, he's got a reputation. So like now all of a sudden he's adding value and his time is actually better spent serving other people by producing those things that he's good at and um, getting better and better at it so that, you know, he can make horseshoes and like, you know, with his eyes closed and just hand them out. Right. I don't recommend that, by the no. way. <laughs> it's a recipe for sore thumbs. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> so, um, if that's, uh, that's kind of one of the results of using money, I guess, um, is specialization of labor because now people can focus on, uh, certain things. Um, and they can, they could produce the highest value products or services that their labor could produce. Mm -hmm. And then they could store that efficiently in some other medium and use it for everything else that they might need. Right. Yeah. So like the blacksmith example, like that might be the highest and best use of your time because you know, you've been gifted in that way and it just, that, that just is. And then, um, but if you trade that stuff for your daily food, now all of a sudden you can live and you can serve other people with the talents you've been blessed with. So it's kind of a cool, um, way that, uh, money emerges as a way to help scale that. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, I think it's God's design, right? We, we use money as a medium to help scale our cooperation and trust between each other. Yeah. Right. As a society and now on a global scale. Right. Um, so if we base our, cooperation like our mutual trade and cooperation together on money then we can really scale and focus in on what it is that we're good at what we have the talents and time for and really use that to serve other people yeah it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and, and i've said it before too um that basically trade is is the genesis of wealth right you only get wealth through trade you don't get wealth by just like, you know, <clears throat> growing uh, thousands of, well, no, <laughs> uh, we're not even there yet, but okay. <laughs> no, but by growing thousands of uh, bushels of grain and then like, what do you do? Right. It's, it right. only goes so yeah, far. Once you so can trade So what about it, the argument that wealth is just like <clears throat> producing things? Because if you think like, okay, there was nothing and then we produced all this grain, like, why would you say that's not wealth? Because what, what does it uh, do for you? There's no future value that you can store there, right? You can store up some grain for years to come, and that's helpful if there's a drought or whatever. But if there's not, like we talked about, it's just going to rot. You can't do anything with it unless you can trade it for something else useful. Yeah. Right? And then once you introduce a medium exchange, 
into that scenario that just facilitates more trade and more specialization yeah and then you also have times for things like research right that blacksmith you know blacksmith did not exist like that that wasn't just something that god gave to man right uh, at creation like here's how to blacksmith right all that stuff had to be developed so if you have time to research that implies some things that you have some wealth uh, stored so that you actually have time so that you can actually eat and exist while you're doing this research, while you're puttering around with like pulling iron, you know, um, ore out of the ground, refining the ore yeah. and then using it to, to build things. Right. So um, when you have, yeah, when you have research that is also um, important for, you know, a community or a nation to develop. And I, I just mentioned that because um, pulling back to current day, right? Canada is not known for R and D, right? Most Research of our, about, yeah. yeah, most. And, and there's a big argument to be made for um, in general, we, we don't spend a lot on research as people because we're so um, obsessed, not obsessed, but like we have to, we have to make money to exist. In our current system, that's we're seeing how that's being stretched, right? So in Canada, for in particular, right, a lot of our wealth goes into real estate. Yeah, and um, you know, I've heard this argument before from uh, from Tom Carrazza as well. That uh, imagine if we didn't have to work so hard because of inflation and, and other things that we've talked about, right? Where our, we could actually store our wealth a little bit better and it wasn't as hard to, to just to exist. And we've seen how much worse that's gotten over the last few years, right? We could put more into research and how much further ahead could we be technologically. But anyways, that's a bit of a side <laughs> rant um, <laughs> about, uh, about research. But I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, ledgers. Okay. Okay. So in you, the history of history of ledgers, a history of money. Yeah. So it was always my sort of understanding or belief that um, barter or direct exchange was how you know trade always yeah. happened until we sort of de developed uh, a ledger system. So, and a ledger is just an accounting uh, tool, or it's uh, how, what did you describe it as? I don't know. A list of all the uh, assets and liabilities or yeah you had something much more eloquent but uh, oh. essentially yeah that's <laughs> what um yeah a ledger is just a way to keep track of who owns what yeah essentially and then when you know when you're using it in a business uh scenario yeah it's your assets versus your liabilities so it's um it's a mental or maybe it's a physical way here, I'll, I'll read it right out of the book here. <laughs> the book. Okay, the book is... No, this is uh, Broken Money by Lynn Alden. She yeah. says, a ledger is a summary of transactions and it is used to keep track of who owns what. Okay, yeah. So that's a good uh, a yeah. good description in uh, in this scenario. So, because you, you started off talking about your bank book, right? Yeah. That was a ledger, mm -hmm. right? It's just keeping... Tr it's not the actual money... And it's not the actual wealth, but it's a representation of that. It's it's keeping track of. Yeah, it's an account. You collected of X it. amount of beer bottles. You traded that in. You got some money. You don't yeah. have that money in your pocket. The bank has it, but it's an accounting of what you own. Yeah. Right. And that but then ledger, they all like the bank themselves would also have their own internal ledger. Yeah. 
to keep track of all my beer bottles and then the next kid's beer bottles. And yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you talk about double ledger accounting where you have assets, where you have liabilities, um, which is kind of foundational to, to business. But we're not talking about that. Um, but yeah, that, that idea is not new, right? If you just think of, oh, so just keeping track of who owns what, basically, that has yeah. existed for a long time as well in different forms. And that could have been in the form of uh, favors, for example. So like you just help. orally or mental yeah. records of, or even maybe uh, physically tracked somehow. So you right. have you have tally sticks, for example, right? Just a stick with uh, like notches in it or rings on it, and that would be like how many units of uh, whatever it was uh, of the currency that you know I had or that you had, and you'd keep those in a central place. So. Um, but maybe it was also mental, right? So it could be something as simple as, um, you know, we're both farmers and I help you with your harvest when it's time. And then, you know, hopefully we're not growing the same thing because then I can't help you. Yeah, I'm busy well, I, I, I farm maple syrup. <laughs> okay, there we <laughs> so go. So you help me in February. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right? But that idea that, yeah, I'm going to help you. And in return, you're going to help me. So there is a mental ledger right there. Like, yeah. You know, you owe me one. Yeah. And maybe you owe me two or three or... Yeah, I added value for you. Yep. I traded my time for, uh, you know, for your benefit. And now, yeah, you, so you're saying they would kind of have this mental ledger. We do that now today too, right? Like you have a buddy's, hey, you help me out with your backyard. I'm going <laughs> to, whatever. Exactly, right? And it may <laughs> not be like you're keeping track exactly of how many hours or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's just like... Um, and it's not even necessarily like if I go help you with your, you know, do some drywall or something that I'm yeah. like, Brent owes me one. Yeah. You better help me or with drywall. Yeah. Thing. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is sort of in the back of your head that like, yeah, this, we just have a mutual. So what's the connection to money? Because now beneficial. you're thinking that, uh, this, uh, obviously that doesn't really scale that well, right? Like it's not like the Canadian government just has a mental record of all the oil that they've bought. <laughs> <laughs> so no a mental ledger doesn't scale well yeah. but if you think you could make a physical ledger um that's cool like written records of yeah. everything but that's also hard to scale and you know you kind of start looking at um uh international commerce right you know around the time of the telegraph england was sort of the uh reserve bank of the world right everything was in, in pounds and so forth and once the uh telegraph was invented that revolutionized commerce because now you could have an instant ledger instead of like i'm going to send um whatever a couple of tons of coal via freighter you know from england to <clears throat> america and then in return they would send cotton back right and there's like there's weeks in between those yeah. transactions yeah and so you know you you would up and they would they would have the massive books and ledgers and keep track of all that stuff um but then it was hard to hard to do that trade and to have trust that um you would be paid so maybe you would sort of at the end of the year you would settle up in gold right i sent you x amount of coal you sent me x amount of cotton and like at some point we gotta like if there's settle. an imbalance we gotta settle this can't go on forever because like maybe your farm burns down and then i never get my gold yeah right but with the telegraph 
Now you could do it instantaneously and then you could have a bank on either end because the banks usually facilitate, like banks been around forever. The banks would facilitate a lot of this trade as well. So now the banks could just update each other and say, okay, this guy sent uh, X amount of cotton, please credit him X amount of pounds. Yeah. Uh, like pounds sterling. Um, and then, okay, and now Buddy just sent coal this way, please debit that account and credit this account in England with, um, you know, with X amount of dollars. So you can see how it just like all of a sudden trade becomes much better and easier. Uh, and that's using the ledger system. So once it kind of goes, you know, you add the digital element to that, like add the internet and then instantaneous ledger transactions <laughs> um, just facilitates that so much more. But yeah. yeah, going back, there was always a sort of a parallel two systems running in parallel. You had the direct exchange system yeah, and that barter system. And reading Lynn Alden's book really kind of opened my mind to that. They're like, oh yeah, there was actually a ledger, whether informal or formal, in many societies. And they kind of coexisted. Yeah. And now we've seen that the ledger system is basically everything. And it's become corrupted, but um, it, is, uh, it is how we do trade. Yeah. And how we... Uh, to, to, you know, to basically where we don't do, we don't have any sort of um, money with meaning. Yeah. I don't know if that's a way to say it, but <laughs> well, because this is such a deep topic. It's hard to kind of have a clear way to talk about it. But maybe we zoom back to um, the problem that we mentioned earlier on in the show. Uh, how do human beings store their value? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been this persistent problem all throughout history, right? Because the one scarce resource that people have is time, mm -hmm. right? So you can acknowledge that because, um, you know, you wake up in the, in the day and now the days are shorter, but, um, you have less and less and less time and it feels like you never run out. But yeah, that's truly the only scarce resource that people have is their time. Yeah. So you can use it however you want, but if you want to continue it to exist tomorrow, you obviously need to eat and drink and do all these things, right? Shelter. So you're going to use your time to labor and produce things that you can consume. Um, and that's where we talked about, um, you know, subsistence living. Yeah. Um, but this problem kind of exists where how do we uh, scale our society and how do we um, get to a point where we can transact that value back and forth so that we're not just spending all of our time um, subsisting and we mm -hmm. can actually, um, you know, store the value of our time into the future because that, that's a big, that's actually a huge problem, right? If you can't store the value of your time into the future, then all of a sudden, like what is the incentive to work what like or to save and that's what we see now and in, in today too right like if, yeah. if you have money and it's losing value to inflation right um that that problem exists even now like how do you store the value of your time into the future right and if you don't trust the money itself because historically speaking money's kind of emerged as this way to store value into the future yeah um efficiently and effectively right like yes and that now we can start talking about some of the characteristics of money too because um it's it's whatever you choose to store your value in that thing better be good at it right like yeah because it's the value of your own time and it could even be like your parents time and the grandparents time like all this time that's been passed down to you in these um, and, and basically in money, right? 
Um, so if you hold on to a money uh, that loses value over time, even if it's slowly, but it compounds, now all of a sudden, like your time itself is being devalued. Um, so that's being, um, obviously we live in a corrupt world, right? Where like, yeah. there isn't one thing that you can just pick. That's like, okay, the perfect thing, no matter what happens, I store my money in this, or I, I store my time in that. And, uh, you know, it'll exist forever and it will never deteriorate. Um, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Right. And that was well, like all the historical forms of money, right. That people have chosen over the years. Like we can start talking about those too, but those are examples of them trying to store their time in something and uh various things various outcomes happen right yeah and yeah so i mean we're we've skipped ahead a lot and i think we want to get back to like what has been <laughs> used as money no it's, we're going back and forth it's good it's like ping pong yeah um but yeah essentially the money we have now is not valuable it's just a medium of exchange and we, like and so the proof we have for that is like, look at Canada again. I'll go back to Canada. Um, where do we put our money into real estate? You're going to make everyone leave Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, but where do we, like, where does the money go? It goes into hard assets, right? So real estate is the prime example of that. And the, why does it do that? Because money has no value. Yeah, but it does that because people are really trying to find a way to store their time. Yeah, in people, something that is And stable. we know that if we put it into dollars, it's yeah. not going to hold its value. You mentioned that compounding over time where yeah. inflation loses money. So why not flip it around? And instead, let me get some debt that is also going to compound negatively over time. So the debt will actually reduce yeah. over time, right? If yeah. I know that having a positive balance is going to hurt me, I can flip it around, have a negative balance that will reduce over time. But in return for that negative balance, I'm going to have a positive asset, like yeah. a hard asset, like real estate or, or other things. But real estate See, has I been like the biggest thing. I like this definition a lot better. The, the money is a store of the value of your time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that... If you, be, if you think about it like that, it actually makes a lot of sense of what's going on in the world now. And when we talk about the history now of money, yeah. um, you're like, oh, okay. So why don't we do that? Like talk about some of the, the technologies or things that people used as money in early civilizations, some of these other objects, because we didn't obviously always have Canadian dollars and loonies and toonies. Well, yeah, and we can, maybe we can work through some of the characteristics of money uh as we're doing that right because yeah, some of these yeah. things are a good example of like this really fit that definition but it's two birds not... one stone here yeah Is I that birds i don't think we ever use birds as money <laughs> <laughs> were you talking about the like you would trade two birds for one stone the medium of exchange <laughs> oh man okay so i'll just i'll list I'll list these uh, things real quick and then we'll maybe go into them, right? So uh, money, it's a store of value. Some of the characteristics are that it should be divisible. Yeah. It should be durable. It should be uniform. Mm -hmm. It should be fungible. Um, that it, one's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm a fun guy. Um, <laughs> it should be portable. It should be recognizable. There should be a limited supply. Um, Another way of saying scarce, I guess. Yeah, yeah. scarce. So those are, um, and you know, we haven't just come up with these. There's a lot of other people have talked about what money is, and and uh, these are some of the ones that I think everybody kind of agrees upon. Yeah, these are the characteristics of sound money. Yeah, because we're not just you know we want good money. Yeah, 
we want it we want a sound money not something that is not sound and there's lots of examples of things that yeah. people thought were sound money <laughs> and we're not and that backfired and but keeping the, how in mind, did it backfire it backfired because they're out there looking for a way to store their value like yeah. the value of their time and they go and store it in something and then they wait 20 years or 10 years or even a year and they realize you know what probably wasn't the best thing to hold as value yeah yeah Sounds familiar. <laughs> so, okay. Um, first uh, characteristic, divisible. Yeah. Divisible. So a cow is, I mean, a cow is divisible, but you kind of, you also, you know, you kill the cow once yeah. you do that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, sort of useful, but uh, you can see the shortfalls of, you know, especially if you didn't have refrigeration, right? Yeah. I think it's important to just before we go in and detail them all, like people aren't there looking like, you know, with a checklist of these items and saying, you know what? Okay. Is a cow divisible? Is it durable? Is it you know, like, check, check, check. All right, go to the next thing. Like it's no. kind of this, this natural process that emerges over time. It's organic. Yeah. It's not like we just have the government giving us a checklist and we're like, all right, we got to find the thing that checks all these boxes. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is, it is worthwhile to discuss these characteristics so that we just to get a good understanding yeah. of money and like what drives that organic growth in to a certain type of, and like for many years that's been gold yeah. because it meets so many of these characteristics. Right. And you could say like, why gold? Well, yeah. Look at all these characteristics. It meets most of these um, ob yeah, objectively. Really well. Yeah, really yeah. well. So that's why instead of just saying, well, it's you know good because of, I don't know why, it just is. But you go through the list like, oh, yeah. okay, gold meets most of those. Um, and I'm not, we're not saying buy gold, but um, as opposed to, for example, the current money that we have yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. The problem that we talked about earlier was with barter and all this is yep. that you have a lack of coincidence of wants, right? Yes. And that lot, like that, um, that problem can be seen, uh, on a lack of coincidence of scales. Yeah. Right. Um, and a lack, so that, that ties into the divisible aspect, right? Yeah. So just to kind of connect the problem with the solution, right? Money's the solution. The problem is we don't have um, we don't have a, like with barter, we don't have a coincidence of wants in, in, in terms of size or scale of something. Right. Yeah. So like you have a cow, I have grain, we can't transact, but by coming up with an indirect exchange, like a medium of exchange that introduces something that's divisible. Now, all of a sudden I can buy a fraction of your cow yeah. with whatever grain I have. Right. So that unit of account or that, sorry, unit of account, that medium of exchange that uh, money is, <clears throat> has to be divisible. And the more divisible, the more easily divisible it is, the better it would be on that ranking of like um, good moneyness or sound moneyness. Is that a good? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, it has to be divisible. Yeah. Because if it's, yeah, again, if it's, if it's not, then um, it's very limited in its use. Yeah. Right? So, so what's the... Uh, I mean, so gold um, is fairly divisible. Yeah. Right. And maybe we'll just kind of keep comparing things to gold. It is relatively divisible. And we saw that with societies that used coins uh, for exchange. And that, you know, that existed for a long time in Western society for sure. Um, but then you would get to a point where you could only have so small of a gold coin. Yeah. And it was still worth more than the smallest thing that you could buy. So then you would have silver coins and right. bronze coins. Right. They were worth less. 
and they didn't meet all the characteristics of money, which is why they were worth less, but they were still more divisible. So you could right. have like a very small, like a denarius, for example, yeah. right? A yeah, days. I got a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> They're worth way more now. <laughs> yeah, right? So that was like a day's wage for a laborer. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure there were, you know, you could divide that up even further because if you had to buy some food for the day, that wouldn't be all of your wages. But yeah. So, so gold's not perfectly uh, divisible. It, it needs kind of the supplementary, it needs silver to kind of make it work. Yeah. Um, because at a certain point, you need, while well, we talk about uniformity, right? Yeah. You need to have a uniform piece of gold. Not everybody's running around with a scale. Yeah. And with uh, a like purity weight. tester yeah. as well to make <laughs> yeah. sure that this is 100% gold. Yeah. And how, how much does it weigh? Gold? Right. Yeah. It's just, it's too, not, you can't, you, it doesn't it's, work like yeah, that. Yeah. It's not very efficient if you're running yeah. an economy. It's one thing if, like, all of a sudden you discover all this gold and you're purifying it and weighing it and whatever. But then once it's, you know, out there in circulation in an economy, you want it to be very um, quick transactions. And that goes into another definition, which is fungible, right? Well, I should say, like, our oh. current currency sort of meets that because it is infinitely divisible, right. especially now with digital um, yeah. digital accounting, right? Yeah. You can have fractions of a penny. Which is funny because like the penny doesn't exist because the, <laughs> the value of the currency is infinitely, uh, what do you call it? The opposite. Yeah. <laughs> you can infinitely print it, then you don't need to infinitely divide it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, you can do transactions for like very small portions yeah. of one cent. Yeah. Um, then we start so, talking about transaction costs, but that's a different thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but so, I just want to point out our money is divisible infinitely. So that kind of touches on the lack of coincidence and scales, right? Yeah. Um, but the other one um, is a lack of coincidence in time frames, right? Okay. So if we don't have... Um, like your harvest is at a different time than my harvest, right? Now all of a sudden, like, you know, we want to make a transaction and we both are mutually like, hey, let's do this. But hey, you don't have the thing that we need to trade with because it's harvest yet. Or, yeah. you know, your thing's going to go bad, right? So money needs to be something that's kind of not subject to time the same way. Um, so what one on the list is that one? That's <laughs> durable. durable. Yeah. So it needs to uh, endure uh, time without deteriorating or rotting. Um, and that's, that's kind of obvious, right? Like if you're going to store value, you want to store mm -hmm. it in something that's, um, going to be the same in the future and not, you know, corrode or rust or rot. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not something that people, like you said, nobody's going around with a checklist throughout history going yeah. like, well, this meets that characteristic, but yeah. <laughs> people just intuitively would move towards yeah. gold because it, it doesn't tarnish. Yeah. It doesn't corrode. Right, yeah. silver does. It's so intuitive. It's like, do you want to own bread? No, because it's like moldy in a week. Okay, exactly. Well, yeah. What do you want to own? A cow? Well, yeah, it could last for like eight, ten, twelve years. I don't know. And then, yeah, no. Well, then the cow's dead. It's like, oh, um, you know, I need to get something else that's valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just people have naturally moved towards precious metals, and and then gold being sort of the king of that because it doesn't, um, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't corrode. Yeah. And we talked about Spanish galleons before. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm now fully informed. Great learning adventure. <laughs> Go back for and you. listen to that episode because <laughs> <laughs> No, but people are still finding like these treasures at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And uh gold and the gold is still good. Yeah. It's still in the same you know, might have a little bit of algae on it or something, but yeah. Um 
got to be cleaned off and it still has the same value and yeah chemical content as it did yeah 300 years ago or yeah. whatever right? you pick steel and it rusts yeah right then yeah you know you're slow like maybe you can still conserve some of the value by like you can still conserve some yeah, of the value you can steal it um <laughs> <laughs> but but you can see it's kind of like uh your money's de- deteriorating at x percent per year right by rusting eventually it'll all be gone and then yeah um so yeah you don't want to store your value in that so now if you look at our money today is it durable well you're like yeah it's digital it'll last forever right as long as we have a digital as long as we have computers um but really it's not durable is it yeah because of inflation Ooh, that's uh scarce but uh, it is, but I think it ties into this because we think of like, yeah, it's it will last. last forever. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, it will. So maybe maybe I'm conflating. But the I two guess here. it'll last forever, but it won't be worth as much. I would probably tie it to today in the sense that like you'd have to trust that the government, and the country, like because ultimately our money's backed by the government now. Yeah. So you'd have to trust that the government and that country and that you know power structure and whatever is still gonna be in power for years and years and years and years right so if you want to intergenerational wealth in canadian dollars you'd really have to trust the canadian government you know and we're not going to have you know quebec separating off and alberta separating off and end up with <laughs> <laughs> the toronto government <laughs> so okay maybe so, it doesn't yeah. strictly meet durable but i i will we'll get into argument. this we're getting so like the i'll la- make the argument that it's not durable okay we're gonna have an argument uh, so the lack of coincidence of locations is a third thing, right? So we have a lack of uh, coincidence in scales and then in uh, in time and then in locations. And that references the property of money that is portability, right? Right. So if you actually want something from a different country and you're not in that country, right? So now you need a good that could be portable to get to that place to make a transaction, to settle that transaction, get the goods or services you need, and then go back. So not yeah. only does it have to be like valuable in both places, like it has to be physically transportable or in our case in today, like digitally transportable. Yeah. Right. And so there's complications with the physical world. There's complications with the digital world, right? Cause digital things can be hacked or whatever. So, but with a physical world, there's, um, there's the the transaction cost of you know when you're transporting value you're like this target for theft or robbery um and the more value you transfer like the more of a target you are so the the transactional cost of sending that value um now if you want to like send it further yeah or faster um and you're talking about physical gold or physical commodities or whatever um, now you're going to have a very, very high transaction cost. So it better be worth the transaction um, to do so that. So you can't do small transactions for long, over long distances. Not, not uh, efficiently, right? Because the value of the transfer might be the, basically the value of the transaction fee. Yeah. So you can you think do of, it, but you're not. You're not well, you, you wouldn't. You're paying 100% transaction don't. fee or exactly. more, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you think of like a stagecoach with uh, either paper money or gold in it, right? You know, you would need to have armed guards on that stagecoach to guard what was inside and a good show of force so that people wouldn't even mess with them. Yeah. Or if you're sending gold, uh, you know, between continents, 
you would have it in a ship. Yeah. And yeah, you would, you know, you would have some soldiers to, to guard that. Um, but you would need to be sending enough gold to fill that ship. Because otherwise it's not worth having the... Uh, having the, the entourage yeah. and all the people around. Exactly. But now you have the risk of, well, what if there's a big storm and the ship sinks, right? Yeah. There's a huge uh, risk there as well. Yeah. So a lot of risk. So you want to... Essentially, you want to find money that is the most portable. And, and, um, and what we're talking about money, we're talking obviously about the store of value, right? Transferring value from people... So you want to find something that's value dense. So something that... What do you mean, Brent? <laughs> I'm pretty dense. I don't know if it's valuable. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're pretty fluffy. I don't know. <laughs> but you want, you want the weight, right? Like the, the unit of value per unit of weight, yep. right? To be high. So you want the, uh, the amount of value that you can store in one little item of weight to be um, very dense, right? Yeah. Um, because obviously if you start sending grain around as your, or what are some good examples from history, uh, shells, right? So yeah. Like how valuable is one shell versus one small, like equally sized piece of gold, right? The amount of value that can, that can contain, um, uh, could be quite a bit higher. Yeah. Um, so human beings kind of tend to gravitate towards the ones that are more value dense, um, is that, even, is that a good yeah, explanation? Yeah, no, like glass yeah. beads as well, right? Yeah. So they were <laughs> relatively dense, um, but also very portable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that gets down our list. What else does it have to be, Mark? Well, Recon- Brent, I think we should uh, maybe wrap it there for this oh. episode. <laughs> and uh, you know what? We'll carry on with the characteristics of money in the next episode. All right. Yeah? Sounds good. Okay. Thank you for uh, putting up with us, folks, and for listening this far. We're going to continue next episode on the characteristics of money. And uh, again, getting to the point that um, the money we have now is broken. Once you uh, understand the characteristics of money, you break it down into these different, um, you know, different criteria. All of a sudden, we realize that uh, what we kind of know intuitively, there's a problem with our, uh, with our money. And uh, we'll uh, we'll carry on with the doom and gloom next episode. So until <laughs> next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely. <laughs>